Hello, everyone, and welcome back to There and Back Again, a friend's journey. Like, I got Yes, I'm I'm yes. on a roll with this that lately. Well. So yeah, this, this is good. Third time in a row. This is the third time in a row. Very roll, good. roll. I said. Did I say roll? I said roll. Okay. I said that. So. I am Father Jared Cohn, also known as the Battle Axe, and I have with me Sting, also known as Grace Weatherhead. So yes, Sting. <laughs> that's a reference to our last episode. So to get that, you're gonna have to go back and watch the previous episode. This is yeah. this is how I hook you. So you're like, oh, this is the first time you noticed it, and then you're like, oh no, I got to go back and watch that now. So right, actually, you don't. So just to be clear, you don't have to do that. So. <laughs> We did not plan these out well enough to have that kind of interlocking no. <laughs> plot hole, plot, plot arc. Is that plot arc? That'd be the way to describe Plot hole. I'm no, plot, plot hole would be. joking. <laughs> so, you know, plot holes are what like Christopher Nolan falls through all the time. So I don't know who that is. He's a famous director. He's a good director. Oh. But he has like. Who's he directed? What's that? Well, so he's directed like the. Mm-hmm three Batman movies with Christian Bale. So those Interstellar, um, the one that I really don't like, uh, what is the, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio? What are they going to dreams? What is that? Go into dreams. They go into dreams. Unfamiliar. (sighs) Oh, but wait. Inception. That's what it is. Oh yeah. Okay. Weird. Just came across that movie the other day. Yes. So Inception. Okay. Trying to think there's, so a lot of his other stuff, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Inception just kind of left this weird taste in my mouth. I just, yeah, mm. yeah, didn't care for it. So, <laughs> but we won't go into that. This is not a film review except of Lord of the Rings. I mean, it kind of is. It is. Well, I it, it is, uh, but for of me. for you, but it's film and books for me. So films exactly. also included. So, oh yeah, so it is a film review. So it is a film review of sorts. So, of sorts, although we um, do not. Do not what? <laughs> we do not characterize ourselves in that way. No, Character- well, that's true. Categorize. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes, we characterize ourselves as intellectuals, as you can see. So, <laughs> well, here's 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 what's wrong for me. I don't know about you. I didn't wear my smart glasses. That's true. <laughs> so, I don't. I don't try to fool anybody by wearing them. So. <laughs> what I should know. I, yeah. So. I don't absolutely need glasses to see. <clears throat> so I was like, I'm going to wear my glasses tonight. No. Yeah. So what she really sees right now is just a blurry form of someone. <laughs> she doesn't even know if it's really me sitting in here. So. If it weren't for the voice, I wouldn't know. <laughs> if it weren't for the voice and the bad jokes. Yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> they were bad jokes. It's okay. I'm joking. You're joking about my bad jokes. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Oh my gosh. So how are you doing? Oh, sorry. You had like a thought. No, that's perfect. My thought comes next later. Okay. Gotcha. Doing well. <laughs> yeah, really no. script. No, doing well. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. It's Monday. We're recording on Monday, the 7th, 7th of February, 2022. In the year 2022. Of our Lord. Of our Lord. Um, so getting back into like a regular work week, which is weird because 
Last week we had the storm to end all storms. Yes. Not really, but we got a lot of snow. Yeah. Were we supposed to get more snow this coming weekend? I heard someone say that, like my mom. (laughs) I think Oh yeah, that that. is your mom did say that, yeah. But I Yeah. I think I did see something a couple days ago for later this week, like a third like some percent chance of precipitation. Nice. So start up of a full work week. Full work week, because last week the office was closed on Thursday, and then it opened at like 1 on Friday, but I didn't really have anything I needed to do there um, besides pick up bulletins, which were not there. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, surprise. It's like they couldn't get there. Yeah, come on, UPS. I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. So that was, and that made for a nice long weekend. Watched some movies with the family, which was Nice. nice. Watched, um, what's it called? Black Widow. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, it, um, I don't know if I can like make an actual like recommendation for it. I thought it was good. It was very, um, so this really is turning into a movie review. It is. (laughs) Um, it was very emotional, especially towards the beginning. Like it was very, it will move you. Bullet? Really? So. Okay. Well, then I'm a little interested. So I've yeah. kind of like tried to avoid Marvel because they try to connect everything. So then I feel like I'm missing something if I haven't watched everything. So I don't think like there are probably lots of bits and pieces that, you know, sure. a Marvel minded person would have been able to connect. I okay. am not such and still found it. And I, I stepped out of the room for like, like two times. So I missed a couple things, but for the most part, Flowed pretty well. It flowed pretty well, and um, yeah, it just tears you up a bit at the beginning and kind of all throughout the movie. But good. But overall, yeah, it. Yeah, I think good. I think a good movie should wreck you a little bit. As should beauty. Yes. We will get into. Yes, we will get to. So yeah. But before we go there, how are you, Father Jared? Great, and yeah, just also the so beauty like the beauty of the snow in many ways was like just kind of a great thing to behold because it's been a because i think last year we did get snow but i think i might have been on retreat and i don't think we got that much snow on retreat and was gone by the time i got back so like last year I didn't really experience all that much snow mm. so this was kind of a new experience for at least in the last couple of years so it was kind of yeah it was good to have some snow like enough snow to actually be able to like pack and see it kind of like uh, yeah, just covering everything. So that was, that was great. Um, yeah. And the work week is, yeah, it's nice to be back. And this coming weekend, big, exciting stuff happening. Priest assignments will be mm-hmm. announced this coming weekend. So that's kind of like, that'll kind of put finally some, some things like, you know, because that's like been like, do you know if you're staying? Do you, do you know what's going on? And it's like, uh, can't say that now. So it's like mm-hmm. this coming weekend, finally, like that kind of, you know, that seals removed. And then, so then it's kind of like nice that we, then that like, that's all out there. And then we can figure out how to move what happens next for priests, what happens next for the parishes. Mm-hmm. And so like that next step really begins the light process. So this really kind of is the first kickoff kind of, of really of the process. So, mm-hmm. which is exciting. So that'll be, that will be good. And just, um, 
yeah, a lot of things to be grateful for. So got to go to like last week before the snow hit, went to Great Wolf Lodge with my family, which was great. And just got to spend some time with my, my mom, my dad, my sister, brother-in-law, the, and their boys. Mm-hmm. So that was just a blast. It was a nice little reprieve from um, everyday life. So yeah, overall going really well. So mm-hmm. yeah. So, I guess, do we begin with a prayer then? I always forget what we do. I think we start with a prayer and then we do the question. Okay. I think. You want to pray us? Sure. (laughs) Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. (laughs) Almighty and ever-loving Father, we give you thanks for the gift of this day. We give you thanks for the many gifts you bestow upon us that exemplify beauty, which displays to us your goodness and which helps to draw us more deeply into the mysteries of your love, your truth, your goodness, and all the many other things that it draws out of us. We ask you might send down your Holy Spirit upon both of us this evening to speak the words that anyone who may be listening to this podcast needs to hear, that you may help us to give Give just words to the truth and goodness of beauty that oftentimes can seem downplayed in our culture, which can sometimes seem exploited by our culture, and help us to recognize beauty as the gift that it is to us, your children. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I've got a bad joke. A bad joke. Go. What a beautiful prayer. <laughs> I'll take it. It's sincere, though. Yes. It's not actually like a joke. joke. Like, it's not like, hey, beautiful prayer <laughs> about <it>. beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. kidding. Yeah. No, actually, the thought came to my mind, man, that was beautiful. Oh, great. Yes. Good one. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, <clears throat> so, as we're talking about beauty, I do have a question for you, and okay. it's extremely profound. That's sarcasm. Yes, I figured as much. So, it's very simple. In what way this day have you experienced beauty? In what way this day have I experienced beauty? Obviously the Mass. Yes, obviously the Mass. But... That's a good one. You know, actually I was thinking about this today. You know, like I've finally gotten some, uh, like, houseplants in my office. Mm. And I was just like, not that they in themselves are like super beautiful, but it does give like a different feel to my office. That it's kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. this is homey. And I just, I had to appreciate like my mom came in and helped me kind of like decorate my office and like organize things in a certain way and gave me some feedback. I think you also gave me feedback for spiritual direction if you like, <laughs> like, oh, okay, this all works. And I was just like, oh, this is actually kind of like, it feels like very much so at home. Even if I am doing work, my office mm-hmm. feels beautiful. So I think I experienced it there. And um, yeah, so I think that was a place that I've certainly experienced beauty today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. In the workplace. In the workplace. Very good. Yes. Wow. Very, very St. Jose Maria. I was going to say, how Opus Day of yeah, you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> how fitting. <laughs> Freshly yes. back from retreat. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Retreat was also great. So that's also how I was doing. Retreat was awesome. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So what about you? 
So <clears throat> I kind of experienced beauty through another person uh, in his experience of beauty. So I, so kind of a long story, but today when I was at work, I guess for people who don't know, I work at a parish office, Yes, not his parish office, but a yeah. parish office. Um, and <clears throat> I, there was long story, but it happened that there was a man who needed to go to the church and find a certain place in the church. And I had to show him and I'm not going to lie. At first I was like, oh, got to do this. Why task. Do I have to do this task. And like, yeah. Um, yeah, like this is like, why is this happening in the first place? Um, <laughs> sure. Anyway, long story. But anyway, so he, like, I don't even know this guy. He's a stranger. He comes, you know, we walk through the office, go into the church. And like, right as we go into the church, like I turn on the lights. This is St. Joseph Church in Wapak, by yeah. the way. And I turn on the lights and he just goes, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. And I was like, just explaining to him like where the thing was that he needed um, and just showing him everything that he needed. But he was just like, wow, this is beautiful. And I was like, yeah, it really is. Like, it's really, yeah. it's really lovely. It is. It is really, really lovely. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah, we recently had like the sanctuary was re redone and now there's a high altar and new paintings and just all kinds of oh yeah restored beauty because it was once like that more yes, like that more like that yes correct mm -hmm. and so it's been restored to its former glory yes I might say <laughs> yeah and it was just kind of interesting because he was just taking it all in and then he like started telling me that uh he doesn't go to that church but his grandparents did he's like i haven't cool. been in this church for years and it's just beautiful. And I was like, yeah, it really, really yeah, is. Yeah, that's awesome. And so it was just really interesting uh, to have that, kind of providential to have that today. Yeah. Um, because it was like, that, you know, that just says a lot about beauty in that it kind of, it makes us pause. It's arresting. It is. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Yes, I've always thought that a beauty, like beauty arrests us, like a beautiful church kind of like, it's like in the sense that like in the sense that like whenever you arrest you're kind of like stopped in your tracks and like just like you have to reflect in the best way possible mm -hmm. um yeah so beauty is arresting mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah that's awesome so it's really cool to see him be arrested <laughs> yeah <laughs> by yeah by the beauty that is the dwelling of the lord and um yeah yeah, that it just like yeah it like beauty has this way of like forcing us to like slow down too yeah which is which is beautiful yeah yeah and actually like that may even be like a good because i was thinking that i forgot earlier today i was like oh yeah i didn't even think about that particular part of the movie and also in the book but like where they're going through moria uh -huh. which is like rather dark and dingy but then like gandalf says should we risk a little more light? Mm -hmm. oh, and then just yeah. like, as they do it, and it's like, oh man, like, and everybody's eyes is just open to it because mm -hmm. most people living then had never seen the halls of Casa Doom as it's known, like the dwarf city. Mm -hmm. And you can just tell like, in the movie they do a good job, but even in the book, it's just like this very resting thing for the, the, the fellowship. It's just like, holy cow. <laughs> Like, this is amazing, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, yeah, so just like that aspect of beauty that 
that just makes us stop in our tracks. And I think that's one of the great things that like Tolkien does in Lord of the Rings is through the simple folk of the Shire who've never seen some of this beauty. I think he invites even like the people who have seen it again and again to like see it through new eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, that like they, cause like they've just been in the Shire. So they like see this for the first time and it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. elves, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so like seeing it for the first time through somebody else's eyes in some ways helps us to like bring us back to like, oh, this is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like it's something that you, you don't really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like we somebody take point, it for granted yeah. all the time. Yeah. So like somebody pointed that out about my home parish, like, oh yeah, I went to your home parish. Like when I was I was like, oh cool. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. I was like, and then I went in there, you know, wherever I was home visiting, I was like, actually I need to go in and just like, look, mm-hmm. I was like, oh wow, it is beautiful. Like I kind of forgot that it is a beautiful little church. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We take it for granted. Yeah. We take it for granted. So yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's one thing that, you know, as we delve into this, like, obviously we're talking about Lord of the Rings, but I even think from a Catholic perspective, Mm -hmm. I think that there was like a great emphasis and it's like an important emphasis, like put on truth in like the way that the faith was taught for many, like since the second Vatican council. And like, that's a great thing. I mean, sometimes it was also downplayed. So it's understandable why like that was defended. And we talk about goodness. So like the goodness of family life and like all those things, again, all really, really important things. But one thing I've just begun to think is you don't hear like beauty really talked about a whole lot because it's like hard to articulate. I think that's one of the issues, but I think we've also kind of like, we've grown ashamed of it in a way. And that I think, you know, I've had conversations with people before to where like, I've mentioned just how beautiful Holy Angels is, which it is like that, those, those high altars, like, oh man, like you look at it and it's like every little like piece coming off. And there's like on the main spire, there's probably like 40 little pieces like sticking off. It's like somebody hand carved each one of those little pieces along with like, everything else in that entire entire hut. Statues of the angels too. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, it's all, just beautiful. Yeah. All of it is just like incredible. The paint's been well done and like all of it and the stations are great. But like I mentioned, just like we have a church that's just like built for worship. Mm-hmm. Or people say like, well, are you saying that like, you know, I won't list names of like examples of like churches that maybe are, you know, a lot like, seeking the same kind of ideal that holy angels is, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like, it's, it's a desire to like draw you in with beauty to like, like, Oh my gosh, like so much stuff like here. That's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. That kind of like overwhelms you. And like, is a mystery that after, even after being there and praying many, many hours in that church, like still just like can take my breath away at different points of which I just see it. Mm -hmm. But people will be like, well, is like, so are you saying like these other churches aren't like Catholic? And it's like, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. And it always like comes out to like this thing to where there's almost like this thing that if you say that a church like built in the round <laughs> is less beautiful, like that's offensive. 
because like we're like well it has its own like kind of like we've treated now beauty as subjective instead of objective Mm -hmm. like obviously the objective is meant to impact us subjectively so like beauty in and of itself like yes we're like the the great thing about beauty is i think it impacts us in a way subjectively that truth and goodness don't even do like beauty just goes straight to the heart of our hearts Mm-hmm. where we encounter it because you can't deny it <laughs> yeah because you can't deny it but people do try mm-hmm. you know and so i think that that's one of those things that you even see like this is like part of tolkien's whole thing is he notes that as the beauty of like middle earth is disappearing there's like this longing that's built into his work like to get back to eden mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially like what originally was and i think that there's a something that he gets so fundamentally right about that. Like he gets that sense of like Eden that, that we all have like this, this uh, like inborn nostalgia, mm-hmm. I'll call it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That like, even if we've never experienced it, like eat, obviously we've never experienced Eden. There's still like this desire in our heart to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I think he does a great job of communicating that through his work. And yeah. And so it's just one of those, yeah, kind of cool things that I think he details very, very well in Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Even like his, uh, <clears throat> just like his, his emphasis on like the, uh, the land and just like how much he, how much he details like as yeah. there, so I am. I'm finally getting my act together in reading the Fellowship of the Ring. So, and what I'm noticing is actually, I'm in. Yeah, that's where I'm at. The House yeah. of Tom Bombadil. Bombadil. Um, but what I'm noticing is just like how much, how like rich his language is in describing the setting and just yes. like the the beauty, or even sometimes like the terror of it, but just yeah. like how. Uh, the attention, the emphasis yes. that he puts on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those, I think that that's, I realize that um, that's something that I think Tolkien does very well. Like Matt Frad has a video, which uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> was shown, I was shown to a group of high schoolers I heard and they, high schoolers did not appreciate it because Matt Frad's like very direct and he's like, you know, if you're going to say, you can't tell me that Beyond, that you actually believe that Beyonce's music is more beautiful than like Puccini's, you know, like the composer, Italian composer Puccini or like Bach. And like they took offense at that. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the same time, like, yeah, like, are you actually going to argue with that? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's not as like, yeah. not trying to, I'm not trying to throw any like, aspersions against queen bee you know like <laughs> i'm just saying that like i mean like it's not it's not like you know handles uh messiah you know it's not gonna be the mass of the angels mm-hmm. like that beauty is just objectively higher mm-hmm. <laughs> and i think that that's something that 
Tolkien just imbues in his work. Mm-hmm. So, so clearly. Yeah. That's what I'm learning. Yes. <laughs> and what you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I think I don't, in this, so I'll just be honest. Like, I feel like I don't have a, like, I can ha- maybe have a couple reflections here and there about the beauty in The Lord of the Rings, but a lot of, like, my thoughts on beauty are just, like, not directly related to The Lord of the Rings. We'll share some of those thoughts. So, some of those thoughts. One, which is, like, and I don't quite understand it, but, like, I feel like we, myself included, have been, like, so hardened to beauty, and it's, like... Why? I mean, like sin. sin so, does that. so yeah, but so hard to beauty. What do you mean by that? Okay, that is a wonderful question yeah. because I think it's kind of like a multi-faceted answer. Um, like one, we don't recognize it yeah. sometimes. Two, we don't soak it in. Like when it's there, like, and we can maybe kind of recognize, like, oh, that was beautiful. That was a beautiful moment, or that you know, whatever was beautiful. Like we struggle to rest in that and to take it all in. Yeah. What other ways? So we fail to like pause and like take it in as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Try to think of other ways in which we. Well, one thing I think like then on the opposite end of like that spectrum mm-hmm. is like we try very, very hard to like hold on to it. So like one thing I was thinking about is, so I'm like going to connect, so I'll connect this back to Lord of the Rings. But like, I remember that JP2, you know, he said that like the problem with pornography is not that it shows you know, too much, but mm-hmm. that it shows too little mm-hmm. because it's like trying to exploit something that is so incredibly beautiful, beautiful, like a sharing in <laughs> of God's own creation. That's meant between a man and a wife in their own, in their own privacy and their own intimacy. Mm-hmm. And we try to exploit that. Mm-hmm. So we try to take in as much as possible. I mean, like, I think I heard like a crazy stat once at like an adult website uploaded like 68 years of content because people just like try to take more and more and more and more. Like it's never enough. Mm-hmm. And I think in the, even in Lord of the Rings, actually one of the things that, you know, Tolkien, he he really, 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 He's, he's very anti-industrial. Mm-hmm. Like he would have gotten along with tree huggers pretty well, to be honest. Like I think that's something people sometimes fail to like recognize in his own thinking uh-huh. is the destruction of natural beauty is like one of the greatest travesties in his mind. Mm-hmm. And well, at the same time also like admiring the craftsmanship of elves and dwarves. Mm-hmm. But like, it's very clear that he's very critical of like Saruman because he, instead of like, you know, instead of like Moria, or, you know, even like other instances where great beauty is made, it's always meant to be an imitation of the form. So actually there was a quote from, so it's kind of follows, it's taken from like, 
somebody commenting on St. Thomas Aquinas defined beauty as this, or defined as like an object, how do you know how much beauty does an object have? It says an object has more goodness and beauty when it achieves a higher level of perfection in its form. So like the closer it is to like the ideal, mm-hmm. the more beautiful it is. And one of the interesting things I think about the way that he describes beauty and the way that it's made is like Gimli receives the, you know, we always talk about Gimli receiving Gladriel's hair, hairs. Mm-hmm. He's trying to imitate the form. He's not trying to like make something more beautiful than Gladriel. Mm-hmm. He's trying to like capture an aspect of her beauty that's been and receive it, receive what's been given instead of trying to take it and like wrangle it for all it's worth, mm-hmm. trying to exploit it. He simply receives what he's been given, which is three strands of hair. And then he will eventually go on to make some things that are very beautiful and imit- and to try and like be closer to that form, to build something beautiful where we'll recognize it. it'll never be as beautiful as the original form. Mm-hmm. And that's even what we do with churches. Like, yes, of course, it's never going to be as beautiful as heaven, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Mm-hmm. But we also need to have the humility to say like, as beautiful as Holy Angels is, heaven's going to be a million times better, mm-hmm. <laughs> a million times more beautiful. And so I think that, I think oftentimes we try to exploit, we try to make it, we try to make something, we try to make it more beautiful. So we love novelty. So I think we try to exploit it instead of simply receiving it. Mm-hmm. And we try to get, take more out of it than it, than it can give us because beauty is something to be received, something that's given and received, not something we can take and then like grasp onto, grasp onto and like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's something that Tolkien pulls out with his criticism of Saruman that like, cause he even, it's even kind of like a little tongue in cheek, like Gandalf actually makes fun of Saruman that like, you know, as they go into Isengard, they're like, oh, this place is just ugly. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he, he was trying to imitate Sauron and he could not even get close to him. <laughs> and it was like ooh it's, it's like a little burn there yeah. like <laughs> yeah like hmm. you couldn't even do ugly as well as Sauron so yeah. like give it up man like yeah. you know uh, but yeah so I think that that's one of those things is like we try to exploit it which again I think in our culture is exemplified by pornography mm-hmm. so yeah yeah It's just fascinating because it's like, yeah, to a certain degree, like we recognize that we long for it mm-hmm. or we recognize that we long for something. Yes. <laughs> but struggle to see all the ways in which even in very little ways, like the Lord is trying to bring about some degree of fulfillment to that longing, which will never be fulfilled in this life. Yes. But like, yeah, just the many beautiful things that we just kind of gloss over. That's kind of, that's kind of what I'm stuck on is because I think I see that in myself too. Like how many, um, yeah, just like beautiful encounters or situations that I'm in that I don't take for what they are. Yeah. And I don't, and I fail to be, and it really is like the gift of awe, I think. Yeah. Um, 
a lack in that gift, you know, that, that sometimes does that to where it's like, yeah, just being, just being blinded by other things and not being able to see the beauty. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And even like, I guess kind of what I was sort of getting at with like being hardened to it is like even just so like you know sin but also just like seeing so much ugly (laughs) like seeing so much ugliness in the world in ourselves um just like the places of our hearts that are just not good yeah and and seeing that out in the world as well can make it really really hard to see beautiful things because it's like because i think in some ways like not to get like too psychological but like we put up walls like yeah that's true i'm putting up walls in my heart because um because i know what's out there and it's not all that good so i'm not gonna allow myself to be fooled by anything that appears to be beautiful you know like we do that (laughs) yeah um and yeah, I just heard someone today, which it was, it was very, very endearing, but she said like, she's trying to be more like a child, like she's trying to be more yeah. childlike. And so I know like for myself, that's something I want to work on as well, but just like being able to see like, oh my gosh, I have the most amazing video of my godson, our godson actually, yeah. um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, when around Christmas time when they were putting lights on the tree and they plugged in the tree and I mean like he could have exploded yeah out of just like his amazement at the beauty that he was beholding yeah and like oh my gosh like you know as grown-ups like we see that and we're like oh that is that is just darling yeah <laughs> but like I think we also have to recognize I like I used to be that way yeah I was once that little boy or that little girl who saw the world, who saw the beauty of the world. Yeah. I want that to be restored. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And so I think it's, yeah. I don't know. That That's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, because... <laughs> Like a lot of that, whenever even Therese, you know, talks about becoming a little child, it's like, I also think it's the reception part of it. So basically it's like the willingness to receive what we need is the way that like Jacques Philippe describes like Therese's way of little childhood. It's not just simply like becoming like a little child, but instead like willing to receive what is given. Mm -hmm. And I think like, it's true. Like we need to recover some of that awe, but even in a sense, like, the fact that it's no longer there, like we shouldn't necessarily meant because I think the more beauty you encounter, like in some ways, the more part of it becomes. And as it becomes a more part of you, you become more comfortable with it in -hmm. some ways as well. So it's not like always necessarily a bad thing because I think to go back, like we can sometimes try to capture a beautiful moment instead of like accepting it when it comes, Mm -hmm. which I mean, in many ways is not like, often you know like i wish i could say every time i celebrate mass it's like amazing but it's not and i just like accept that 
for the gift that it is, because I still love saying it. I still find great consolation and comfort in that. But I also like have learned to like not lament that I don't have the same kind of like feeling I did when I first started saying mass. Mm-hmm. Just because like I'm used to it. And sometimes it still strikes me. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for those moments. But I think just like allowing those moments to come when they do and not being ashamed. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I think sometimes we can even like, we can be just ashamed of like the encounters that we have with beauty. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know. And struggle to share that. Yes. Or to express that. Yeah, struggle to express it, but I think even to like share it. Mm-hmm. Because like we, because we see it in such exploitive terms, mm-hmm. you know, like if you share like a powerful experience, like a beauty of a mass, you're like, you really like all that mm-hmm. toity toity stuff. Mm-hmm. I even think like there's a, I was like thinking like, well, I don't want to share that one. And it's like, oh, that's kind of like cuts exactly against the example of like what I want to say, but I just remember having um, a few years ago, like I was, you know, I was at mass and it was like during one of the readings, I just happened to like look out of the crowd, which I don't do like super often. I looked out and it was just like the light was coming in through one of the windows just perfectly. Mm-hmm. And this mother with her like daughter who I think had just been born, like she was like a month or two old. Like she was just like lifting her up and the light was just hitting both of them correctly. That was just like, like a great gift from the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like a moment that I was just like privy to between mother and child. It was just like, oh my gosh, it's like the most beautiful thing mm-hmm. I've like, I've ever seen. <laughs> and it was just like a snapshot and then it was gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I think even like we don't allow ourselves to receive that because it's like, because like when we see beauty, I think in some ways we, we, we catch a glimpse of something that we only see the other side of the veil. And so there can be like a part of us that's like, well, I'm not, I shouldn't see that quite yet. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then at the same time, we have to be willing to accept those like moments where the Lord breaks in. So like that little childhood, I think we sometimes paint as, like in all the other ways that children, but really it's like primarily dependence upon the Lord and just simply receiving what he gives us. Like, cause I think also part of that spiritual childhood is he knows what's best for us. And sometimes it's like, this isn't helping, mm-hmm. <laughs> but just like, you know, as we can see from the example of our own parents, like they know that like, okay, we're not going to give this to you right now because this is like, you need to learn to be able to do without for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Or even if you like, <laughs> you're upset because you wanted to run across the street to see somebody that it's like, you can't run across the street. You're not allowed to do that. That's bad because you could get hit in the same way. Like as it sometimes feels like the Lord's holding us back. Like we just have to receive what he gives and we have to just trust in total dependence and that even comes with beauty he'll give it to us when we need it mm-hmm. and we can bring more moments into it because also to be childlike like children love bringing in little gifts for their 
parents, their aunts, their uncles, like whoever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that in relation to beauty, we have to just be willing to receive those moments when they come. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like we can surround people with beauty, but sometimes it just has to like, like that moment with child and mother, like it just has to strike somebody at the right moment in the right light in the right time. Mm -hmm. And that's like something that you got to leave to the Lord. Cause that's even people have commented like father, like we know that you just want mass to be beautiful. Like we know that. And I'm like, thank you. And it's like, it's not like I expect people to have like a powerful experience every single time. Mm-hmm. But I want to provide as much of an opening as possible and infuse as much beauty as we can at appropriate times so that way somebody can have that encounter. Mm -hmm. Like that it strikes somebody at just the right way at the right time. Mm -hmm. So like do what I can, but then allow the Lord to do the rest. Like just trust that he's going to work that out. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes all we can do. <laughs> we can surround ourselves with beauty, and I think we should probably imbue more beauty in our world, but just because somebody doesn't receive it doesn't mean that it's not beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that at some point the Lord won't use it, <laughs> whether it's us or whether it's somebody else that has an experience, won't use it to draw, like, just give us a glimpse of it, the eternal. Mm-hmm. That's great. The humility of a child. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, just being willing to receive what is what is given. It takes a lot of humility to be able to do that. Hmm. Good, good. So, this is kind of like stray-ish thought, but kind of like more Lord of the Rings-ish is... Like, something I was thinking about beauty, like, what does it do for us? <laughs> yeah. And, like, it motivates us, you know? Like, did, did you have that? I, be, I put beauty saves slash motivates. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, because, like, you know, like, yeah. Like, you think, like, Frodo. Like, to save the Shire, the beauty of the Shire, he has to take a risk. <laughs> yeah. They all have to take a risk. And, um, yeah, so in that way, beauty also, like, strengthens us. But it it propels us to do some crazy things. Yes. Crazy in a good way. Um, in, in, in ways that, like, other things can't really motivate us. Yeah. Um, the way that beauty can, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and like even just like on a very, uh, just kind of like a very basic example, like I was thinking about like a guy who wants to ask a girl to dance. Like, I'm not a guy, but I can imagine it's a pretty like terrifying experience. Yeah. <laughs> and so like why, why would he do that? He's motivated by the beauty that he's beholding. Yes. And so he says it's worth the risk. Yeah. And like it's worth the struggle and all the demons I'm going to have to fight before I even get the words out. You know, like yeah. 
so beauty is a great motivator. Yeah. You want to add to that? Do you have anything to add? Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. I think the example of like that for men, like beauty is something that we are meant to cherish and protect. And thus like why, like you mentioned, like the example of like one of our man falls head over heels and like all of a sudden that girl becomes his everything. And so it's like, now I need to like get my life in order. So that way I can be like worthy of her, but then also, so that way, like I can provide a, a house so that way she can make it at home. Like all these things that like happen, mm-hmm. right? Like I always talk about, you know, that, that line in the, uh, you know, in the consent, it says like, honor you. <laughs> and I ask like, what do you think honor means? And I, th- you know, and, and I think like for, like whenever it comes to honoring his wife, I always tell guys like, that means that you like acknowledge the feminine beauty that's within her inside and out. Like, honey, you're beautiful. <laughs> like, that's what you say. Mm-hmm. That's like, the, that's the catchphrase for honoring your wife. It's like putting her on a pedestal and just being like, you're amazing and you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then I talk about like, then obviously women also, I was like, telling your husband, it's like, you're the man. Like you're the one that I entrust this beauty to that is me. And also like you're the man. So I know that you're going to protect me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that the, that as just as you're mentioning that, like it, it motivates and it can actually change a man's perspective. Like mm-hmm. I think we're impacted by it in such a way that it is received. And I mean, you even see that with Eric or that that's like part of the motivating factor there throughout the entire story mm-hmm. and the encounter with beauty then also like can cause like lifelong loyalties, you know? So even with that, I was thinking about sharing. So I took a picture of it a while back, so I can't, I did not have the page number on it, so I couldn't go back and be fancy in the book. So I'll just have to read it <laughs> off my phone. Please forgive me. Be fancy. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so this is a passage from the two towers. So I believe they're in, like this is the part of the story where they're like in Thillian, so um, before they encounter uh, Faramir. So oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So like, yeah. So Gollum disappeared. He was away some time, and Frodo, after a few mouthfuls of Lumbus, settled into a deep, deep into the brown fern and went to sleep. Sam looked at him. The early daylight was only just creeping down the shadows under the trees, but he saw his master's face very clearly, and his hands too, lying at rest on the ground beside him. He was reminded suddenly of Frodo as he had lain asleep in the house of Elrond after his deadly wound. Then, as he had kept watch, Sam had noticed that at times a light seemed to be shining faintly within. But now the light was even clearer and stronger. Frodo's face was peaceful. The marks of fear and care had left it, but it looked old, old and beautiful, as if the chiseling of the shaping ears was now revealed now revealed in many fine lines that had before been hidden. Though the identity of the face was not changed, not that Sam Gamgee put it that way himself, he shook his head as if finding words useless and murmured, I love him. He's like that, and sometimes it shines through, somehow. But I love him whether or no. 
And so you just like see this kind of thing that it's like his willingness to follow Frodo everywhere mm-hmm. is born by this like beauty that he sees in him, not in the same way that we behold like an exterior beauty, but like something that shines from within him that motivates him to be like, this guy's like worth following to like the pits of hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so like that puts, that puts this like wonderful kind of peace within, within his soul. <laughs> and I think that that, that gift of just being able to like catch that little glimpse there, like <laughs> shows him like, yeah, that beauty that he says, like, and that even the going on of years. So like to go back to the idea of like an object has more goodness and beauty when it achieves a higher level of perfection in its form. Like the way that we become more beautiful is like by becoming more human. But then also like the way in which I become more beautiful that, you know, you grace become more beautiful is by becoming more fully who we are. (laughs) And so there's this like, so like the fine and far from like the years making Frodo less beautiful, like it is actually like, as he goes through this entire experience, it reveals more and more of who he is. And as a result, like reveals more and more of who he is in the good way. Mm -hmm. And so like, this is like kind of perfecting his character. And as it's doing so, it makes him more beautiful. <laughs> and so I just love that line where it says like, it's just like that, like the lines that have not been there before were like something had been chiseled away that and revealed the beauty that was underneath. Essentially. It was like, Oh, that's a great way of putting like the way that age should be for us. It reveals yes. more of our hearts mm-hmm. and it, the goodness of our hearts. Not that our hearts are cold and black, but instead that reveals yes. the original goodness that was mm-hmm. meant for us of like who, you know, Father Jared really is. Mm-hmm. Like who God truly created him to be. I guess that's the way to say that. Like who God truly made him to be. Mm-hmm. Who I am in God's eyes. <laughs> and not as like the world, like do what you want, but instead like, you know, as God desires me to be. As I conform more to that, which is the true form of who I am, the more beautiful I become mm-hmm. in the same way for you. <laughs> Like, right, mm-hmm. like becoming more fully who grace is mm-hmm. and God means her to be, you become more beautiful. And that's just the way that like this works. And so I think that that's even one of those motivating factors. Like that's why Sam follows Frodo. Mm-hmm. He's not just like a loyal lap dog. Yeah. Yes, he sees something more than a, yes. Right. I would even say that's beautiful. <laughs> so many dumb jokes. Uh, it's so many dumb. It's the same dumb joke that you just keep repeating pretty true. much. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. Thanks for calling me out on that. <laughs> There's something though. I feel like, I think I wrote some examples down. Maybe not. But as you're just talking about like the, lo- the loyalty of Sam basically was motivated by the fr- beauty of Frodo essentially mm-hmm. and just the beauty of who he is um and I don't remember if I took a picture oh, I might have taken a picture um when I was reading the book and maybe didn't even write it down but there were just a few and I don't have my phone on me but there were just like a few like moments where yeah I took a picture now that I'm saying this um 
to where Sam was just saying, like, uh, he's recalling um, a conversation that he had with the elves. In the book, it's with the elves. Um, where he, they're like, uh, don't leave him or whatever. And he... Uh, yeah. Basically, he just, like, keeps reaffirming with, with very, like, stubborn in a good way, like, determination. Like, I'm basically, I'm going everywhere yeah. with him. And I'm not leaving. And just that, that like, beauty is powerful in that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, it is. And so it's just, like, a really, really good motivator. Um, yeah, that it just kind of, even, like, uh, so I haven't really got to this in the books but like sam had to kind of like put on hold the beauty of rosie in some ways yeah to um which he comes back to but like yeah and actually he comes back even more beautiful and yeah you know, but um to to go on the the, the mission with Frodo, yeah. which is kind of a fascinating thing too yeah did they mention her in the books so they do mention her at the end. I don't think she really shows up at the beginning, so I think that's kind of okay. an after-the-fact kind of thing. Okay. okay. So I'm trying to remember if... I think she might have been mentioned somewhere in the fellowship, but I don't think she was mentioned really closely with, like, Sam. Okay. Until yeah. later on, because her and Sam do get married, and that's kind of a big part of the story. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because then he also puts, puts off his return to Frodo. Because of Rosie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, hmm. but I think it's a good, it's still like a similar thing that works throughout the books with, again, Aragorn's like the typical one. And, um, and so, yeah. And so like, again, going back to that point that beauty is something that's received mm-hmm. or I guess beauty, the one who is beautiful, it is given. So God is always the one who gives beauty. Mm-hmm. So he's the one who gives. We can't take. We must receive. So it's like something that God gives us. But we also need to be willing to receive it. So like you said, we can become hardened to it. Mm-hmm. But we can also try to like take it and wrangle it for ourselves instead of receiving it openly from him. And I mean, even see this in the example of Eowyn, who is, yeah, who like Wormtongue tries to obtain, <laughs> not by becoming like, beautiful himself mm-hmm. and becoming more honest but instead through like trying to side with Saruman so that way whenever everybody else is taken then basically she has no other options except him or death mm-hmm. right and so you see the difference between that and then the fact that like Faramir like kind of falls in love with her in the houses of healing and like Far from like trying, it's like he just like shows her pity and acknowledges humbly her beauty. And mm-hmm. then that eventually wins over her heart. And so there's like a big difference there mm-hmm. in those two things, right? Yes. <laughs> and so I, th- yeah, so like that aspect of I think I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did I, and I think you can say the same thing for Sam. Like I think the, the rosy arc is a good thing that was addition to Lord of the Rings. So, mm-hmm. yeah. There's another point to beauty that I want to like talk about. Um, yeah. 
So, oh, so actually, so you sent this article that was like a reflection on Tolkien and beauty. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like a line in there that said, uh, far from being escapist, true fantasy draws us closer to reality. Mm-hmm. I think we can even take out the word fantasy and put in beauty. Like yeah. Beauty actually draws us closer to reality. And sometimes we think that's like, um, I think kind of going along with like feeling ashamed or maybe just like embarrassed to like share a beautiful ex- like experience or encounter we had with someone else is like, they're not like, what if they aren't willing to receive that? What mm-hmm. if they think we're just being escapist and like, yeah. they're like, well, you know, I've got all these like burdens upon me. So like almost offended, like how dare you like tell me about, you know, this thing that was apparently beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, I think sometimes the tendency is to think that like actually being willing to be receptive to beauty is like an escapist tendency when it's not. Yeah. That's a good way of putting that. Yeah. And so, but like going along with that, like true beauty draws us actually closer to what is real. Yeah. (laughs) Like it draws us closer to reality. And like something I was thinking about is like, beauty also like wounds us but yes. in a good way yeah <laughs> and um because i think it make it and like a certain level of cooperation is needed on our part i guess but like it kind of makes us recognize like the places in our hearts that like are lacking yeah. And kind of like what I was talking about earlier with just a desire to have some of like those childlike um responses to beauty, I guess, like to have some of that restored. Like uh there was a moment like a few months ago and I was going through something uh very like painful and difficult. And I would but it was Sunday I was in mass with my family, at mass with my family in, you know, so I'm sitting in this pew of wonderful people, but I'm just like struggling. Yeah. <laughs> and like sitting beside me is my sister. She is nursing our godson. And then my other nephew who's older than our godson. And my other nephew, like as Jonah is sleeping, like Finn just like leans down and gives him a smooch, like totally unprompted. And it was just like, like it, I think it brought tears to my eyes yeah. because it was like, Oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah. It was just like, that was so beautiful. And like with like, it's hard to receive something like that when you're feeling so much pain in yeah. your heart. And like, it stands in stark contrast to some of the ugliness that we see in the world and, you know, in our sinfulness. And so it hurts. <laughs> Yeah. And like, I was just thinking like, you know, like you hear that expression, like beauty is pain. It's normally not used in this context, but there's some truth to that. Yeah. Beauty is pain sometimes, but not like in the, like mom's doing her daughter's hair and like, Oh mom, that hurts. Yeah. Beauty is pain. But in a different way, like in the best way possible, 
if we can allow it to like if we can allow the lord to wound us yeah <laughs> with beauty that's really good <laughs> yeah it is because it it just like it because i think even like in that moment like the story i shared it's like oh wow <laughs> like that right there what i just experienced like that authentic like unprompted love that brother gave to brother <laughs> like that is a true reflection of like how things are supposed to be yeah and it's getting back to eden <laughs> yeah and it's just and it, and it can hurt because it's like oh we are not there <laughs> yeah like, we are not home and that is a hard thing to come face to face with but it's a good thing and um yeah yeah so anyway beauty wounds <laughs> beauty does wound and i mean i think even i think in something similar said in the books too but Gimli even makes the comment as they're leaving lothlorien like <laughs> i was scared of coming this place but i think i would have been more terrified <laughs> had i known the beauty i would encounter and the joy i would encounter in lady gladriel <laughs> Which is kind of like, whoa. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was like scared mm-hmm. and didn't want to go to. Yeah. And so he makes like that comment that like, yeah. And so I think, and because he's like wounded by it and he never mm-hmm. really recovers. So like, yes, he and Legolas is like friendship is the reason he goes to the sea, but it's even because like he has this desire to once again, like, um, yeah, just encounter that beauty again. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is, there's a uh, yeah, an important aspect of that. I think that's like part of the, you know, I put like beauty sanctifies, mm-hmm. so dry, like draws us up into like God's transcendence. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, God is not beautiful. He is beauty. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're wounded by beauty in so many ways. And like oftentimes like it sanctifies us because we're like touched by it. Like we can't, like you said, like we're trying to receive something we can never fully like because the f- true form of beauty is God himself mm-hmm. and everything that we encounter that's beautiful. Like is basically like a realization that we can't take that all in. <laughs> But it still like brings joy. It still brings fulfillment. And thus it like encourages us to be holy because we come in contact with God. So it sanctifies because that's what sanctify is, like contact with God. We become more holy, we become more sanctified as we see each as we see more and more moments of our lives as touching, like being touched by God. Mm-hmm. And those moments also God touching us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's that, yeah, there's that very real thing that it's sanctifying us mm-hmm. by its wounding. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, which can hurt. Yeah. I would like uh, thinking about like when we were 
kids and like we would fall off the bike or just like run and fall down and scrape our knee and there's like yeah, rocks in our knee and you know mom would take us to the bathroom to clean up the wound mm-hmm. and there was always this so like there were a few different like antibacterial things that she could whip out but one of the things that i remember distinctly was it was this bottle called bactine <laughs> do you know yes yeah that and like it was like it was terrifying when she would like bring it out because it was like, it's going to hurt really bad. Yeah. Because like when she would spray it on, she'd say like, it'll kind of bubble and it will sting, but that's how you know that it's healing and it's getting like the bad things out. Yeah. (laughs) And like, which is like, I think true, like for like generally like in the spiritual life, but also in our experience of beauty and when it wounds us, like, it does have the ability to draw out the poison yeah, <laughs> and draw out the bacteria, um, which can, yeah, if not drawn out, can cause more infection and festering. Yeah. And so like, yeah. And so like, I think maybe just like paying attention to those moments to where like it kind of, we experience something beautiful and it kind of hurts. Like maybe just to like step back and say, why did that hurt? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because like, Maybe I just encountered someone being like extremely generous to someone else and I'm kind of like, it stings. Yeah. Like that was beautiful, but it stings. Why? Oh, because I'm, I'm really lacking in generosity. Yeah. Or I'm just jealous. Or I'm just jealous. Or maybe both. Yeah. Okay. Now that the Lord has touched that wound, let's work on that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I heard someone say one time that, uh, she was like, like, man, you know, sometimes, and she said it way more eloquently. It was on a podcast that I heard a while ago, but she was like, you know, sometimes the Lord touches a wound and I'm like, ow, Lord, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. hurts. But I forget that like whenever his hand leaves, like it has been more healed. Like, yeah. It's been like the reason he's touching it is to heal it. And so I guess just like an appeal to let beauty sting you yes (laughs) in the right ways you know yeah so yeah it draws out poison Mm -hmm. but then just something i thought of because of of something just interesting from like a detail that's like even after the return of the king takes place but something that our beauty can also like not only heal but can also like adorn others as well so each of us has like our, our own particular beauty. So like one of the things that I think, which I highlighted on here is like that elves are like specialized in like they're, they're kind of communing with the natural world, mm-hmm. living things, plants, animals. Like this is, this is like that, that's our wheelhouse. And then the dwarves like specialize in, you know, stone making, like, so like carving, so stone carving, masonry, blacksmithing, like all, and like making jewelry and like all these things that they do really well. So they also use natural beauty. It's like in a much more earthy level. But then the interesting thing is like at the end of, at the end of the return of the king, uh, after they're like going back towards the Shire, Gimli and Legolas leave the, leave the um, fellowship because they made a deal after Helm's Deep, that if they made it through all of this, 
Gimli would show Legolas the beauty of, like underneath Elm's Deep, there are very, these very beautiful caves, the glittering caves, it's called. He said, well, you'll go there. And then Legolas said, and then you'll come with me to Fanghorn, which is where the ants are, mm-hmm. which Gimli was scared of going into. And he said, okay, deal. So they both like show each other like their own, like mm-hmm. reveal to each other, like what's closest to their hearts. And Legolas is like left without words. And then Gimli like grows an appreciation for the natural beauty of trees that he was scared of. Mm-hmm. And it's like this great testimony to like what we each can like reveal to each other and the beauty that we possess and we can open other people's eyes to that we, the way in which like both within ourselves, like the, what we possess within our souls, the beauty that God desires to have within our souls, but then also the beauty that we can like reveal to others around them. Mm-hmm. And then that even comes out then at the end, like it's after Aragorn becomes king, Gimli will actually bring dwarves with him to like kind of redo some of the stone work and improve it in Minas Tirith. And then actually, you know, Legolas will come in and like add more green space essentially. So like some beautiful gardens. And so they both like use their beauty to like adorn to quite literally adorn like Aragorn's kingship. Mm-hmm. But it's even like that's that are like one, like obviously Aragorn's like a good image of like Christ the King. So like our beauty can like, adorn the Lord's kingship in some ways on this earth. So we can like do that ourselves and we should like seek to do that to add beauty to this world. But then also like that we can adorn our friends even like with our friendship that we add something to them, Mm -hmm. to their own beauty. So yeah, so that's just like something that it like it, it draws out the poison but then it also adds to what we are. Yeah. Yeah. Perfume in place of poison. Perfume in place of poison. <laughs> I was trying to think yeah. of a good way to put yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know. Yeah. So I didn't know about the Gimli and Legolas thing. Yeah. What they do. Yeah. The deal that they make. Yes. And then also that they come back. I saw that you made a note about that, but they come back to... Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. So I think that's one of those things, too, that we we need yeah. to remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that maybe I had a question. But I'm not really sure if I do, so. All right. <laughs> do you have a thought? What? Do you have a thought? No, not really. Um, hmm. Well, I have a ridiculous thought. Okay, go for it. I just not remembered it. So the reason I started chuckling when you were as you were describing all of that, when you, (laughs) when you mentioned the elves and how they had like, you know, like they're, they appreciate the beauty of like living things and plants and stuff like that. And like my shout out to Audrey, my sister, (laughs) (laughs) 
um, who started a new job today. Yes. So, happy first day, Audrey. Happy first day, Audrey. You're doing great. Um, but she made the comment, has made the comment, that Arwen's breath smells like vegetable soup. <laughs> Have you not heard her say that? No. Audrey is convinced. She's like, oh, we were watching like one of the movies, and Audrey just goes, or maybe maybe not breath. She might have just said she. She's like, she smells like vegetable soup. It's like, what? So in some ways. <laughs> oh, because. Because like they love plants yeah, and yeah. stuff. It kind of makes sense. So anyway, yeah. as you were like laying out the, you know. The elven beauty. The elven beauty. My mind <laughs> went to Arwen smelling yeah. <laughs> like vegetable sure. soup. So there's your ridiculous thought. Well, it's probably not the first ridiculous thought from Grace for the day, but <clears throat> yeah. Do you have a thought? Do you? What else do you have on there? I don't think so. <laughs> I guess just like because I, I, I guess I can't like talk about Lord of the Rings without at least once mentioning Smeagol. Yeah. <laughs> so like, there is a scene when they're in the and I don't even know which movie it is or book, so you'll have to help me. But when they're in the dead marshes. So it's the beginning of the Two Towers. Okay. Yeah, and both the movie and the book. Okay. Okay. And. Uh, like Smeagol starts like talking to Frodo and Smeagol like how do I say this <laughs> I struggle to say that he's wise because that seems like an unwise thing to to say but he knows he's experienced and so he sees what the ugliness of the ring is doing to Frodo and so he um he has a sign where he says, once it takes hold of us, it never lets go. And like in that, you just kind of see. Again, like Smeagol knows the depths of the ugliness of the ring, like more than anybody else. Yeah. And you still see within him this longing for beauty, even though like he's not really... <laughs> capable at that point with capable of like cooperating with that longing yeah. in a healthy way. Like it's still there. And, yeah. um, and like, what is he longing for? Freedom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's longing for freedom because he's been bound for so long. And, um, and so I guess just like, yeah, just a reflection on the, the beauty of, of freedom and that even like the most, uh, wretched character, <laughs> as people would say, yeah. <laughs> like this longing still lives yeah. within him. And even in that moment, like in that moment where he's able to like relate with Frodo, like I'm struggling to say this because it seems wrong, but it's like, is that in and of itself not a beautiful moment? Yeah. 
where he is just able to like say, I feel that weight too. Yeah. And I understand that once it takes hold, it never lets go. Look at me. I'm proof of this. Yeah. Which is pitiful and horrible. Yeah. But there's some beauty in that he's, in a way, sharing that. And you just, you just still see that longing in him, that it's not all lost. Yes. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. It's true. It is a beautiful moment. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I mean, so... <laughs> Like to your point, like we talked about drawing out poison, we talked about adorning, mm-hmm. but also like beauty shares. Mm-hmm. So like even our, even the most ugly of experiences, because this is something, you know, like I'm a big, you know, I'm a big war nerd because <laughs> I like love those period of history. And I find that a lot of like the really great military leaders are clo- more like kind of match my personality and so it's like mm-hmm. I glean something from them that I just like can't from others yes. other people who talk about leadership um, and in part because I think also like it's life or death stakes and like whatever it comes to you know salvation of souls we are literally talking about life or death spiritual life or death mm-hmm. but like that's just kind of an aside so explain why but like in reading like some of the great memoirs it's like some of the ugliest moments of like humanity are also moments like to where you see like the great beauty of like the inner soul. Like I actually once there's this, uh, this person who highlights like calls, you know, the, you know, um, Hacksaw Ridge, like Desmond Doss, he calls it like the journey of a beautiful soul. That like, even though it's like this horrendous situation, like they called it Hacksaw Ridge for a reason. But yet he maintains like his like code and his integrity. And that actually gives like the other soldiers strength. Like where they go back up again, it's clear that like his example is the one that like not motivates them. And so it's like by sharing those experiences beauty can be had like there can be beauty in those moments where we see a family grieving together and you see like a son comfort his mother that's just lost her husband and his father like it's beautiful it's sad it's painful but like in that sharing that moment that sharing that grief there's beauty this is a horrendous situation of like soldiers doing horrendous things to one another but then again like desmond doss carrying those men out like one more lord just one more it builds up like in those moments it's like the sharing of that experience is beautiful and it's a beautiful witness. And so you kind of have in those examples just this thought that like 
even though it is something that's horrendous and terrible and in many ways ugly, there's still beauty. And even like the cross is the example par excellence of that. Jesus Christ, the God-man, nailed naked to a tree, bloodied, beaten, reviled. It doesn't get any uglier and any more horrifying than that. We killed, well, we killed the God-man. <laughs> but at the same time, it's also the most beautiful act of love ever. <laughs> so again, like, because he's God, even that which is ugly, me may be beautiful by love. So I think to your point about like, like that being a beautiful moment, even though it's like, it's true, it can be. The sharing of those kind of experiences can be beautiful. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Just, darn it. It wasn't a joke though. That was. Yeah, that was a, just a comment. Yes, just a comment. A, um, an ironic comment. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll just ask because like I've kind of I kind of hit, we talked about this a little bit earlier but like and you've obviously hinted at your own experiences of beauty but you know as like a man I have my own experience of it which is like I think markedly different would be my guess Mm -hmm. than like that women typically see it. I don't know if you could give any sort of insight like the feminine, which is really like the, is the like beauty. Like for, I think men, like we're more oriented towards like truth. Like that's what we fight for. Mm -hmm. And then we protect goodness and beauty. Like, so truth is like what we are. Like, that's what we were meant to embody. That's how we become beautiful. The more that we conform ourselves to the true, so to like the true image of courage, to like speaking the truth. So like being honest mm -hmm. by standing up for the truths that are within the Catholic faith and also just uh, the other truths that we experience too. Like, that's a lie. He did it. <laughs> you know, like those kind of things that like, it's easy, like not taking a bribe, mm -hmm. not reviling. And like, so that's like, that's how a man becomes beautiful. The feminine like embodies beauty itself. I think in a lot of ways, like that's what the feminine identity is, is beauty. <laughs> so I guess given that, like that observation, mm -hmm. 
I guess I don't know if you have any thoughts on like what's what's maybe the difference because then it's like like there's this great passage in the book Anna Karenna to where like the uh, main male character like I forget now I can't even remember what the the love interest's name is but like and I wish actually it would have been great to have like that passage because it's just it's wonderful but anyways <laughs> it's like he notes that like she's ice skating and he just like notes her beauty as she's ice skating. And he talk and he just like talks about like how unapproachable she seems. Like I'm not even worthy to like gaze at her right now. He's like, I can't even come closer. But then all of a sudden this thought up here occurs to him like, wait, there's other people skating around her. Maybe I too could draw close to her and maybe like, and then like he imagines like even holding her hand as she's skiing. And so like, so there's like this male attraction, but also like terror of approaching beauty. So beauty's almost in some ways, I don't want to say it exactly like this. It's almost foreign to us, but yet we desire to draw it close to ourselves. We desire to have it close by, which mm -hmm. is then like, I think the male and female complementarity in some ways expressed. Mm -hmm. so what's like the feminine experience what, what do you think might be a difference in that to like the feminine experience of beauty hmm. <laughs> that's a huge question I know it's a great question can you ask it maybe in a different way or like break it down into like a different question that can help me to get to what you're talking about Sure. So basically, what do you think maybe is different about the way in which women experience beauty than mm. men? Mm. Okay. I should have made it more simple, but I was trying to explain myself. So That's sorry. Okay. That's okay. It's a great explanation. I just got a little lost in the sauce. Yes. That's all right. <laughs> um, then it's not a great explanation, by the way. What? Then it's not a great explanation. No, it was. I just get lost all the time. <laughs> Okay. You can't deny that. Um, oh, yeah. That is fascinating. What I was expecting you to ask was, like, give some examples of ways in which, like, you've experienced beauty. And maybe that can be. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to it. think if that can help. Um, hmm. Dang. Yeah, so... I guess uh, just like one thing that I was reflecting on with a friend, um, we were talking about, we went on this retreat and it happened to be an all women's retreat except for one little baby boy yes, <laughs> who was so beautiful. Yeah. Um, but like we were just kind of like observing, I think like she kind of pointed it out, but like just the so much beauty in one room and like all of these women like different ages you know different walks of life different um just different but each one of them is so beautiful like there were a couple of women there who are expecting there were a couple a couple women who were more elderly but like just like a there was a recognition that every woman in this room is just so beautiful 
in like her own way. And which sometimes can be hard to admit, I think, as a woman. It can be hard to, how do I want to say this? It can be hard to like accept someone else's beauty when there's a tendency to compare. Yeah. You know? And so I think, I think like a woman's experience of beauty is bet is best and most like mature, most authentic, most rich when she can first see her own. Yeah. <laughs> and receive and receive like the love first and foremost from the Lord, mm-hmm. and the way in which He sees her as His beloved daughter and bride, because that is yeah. So. I think like we experience beauty best when we are in the position of uh, the beloved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If that makes any sense, it's a little bit abstract. No, I think that's a great way of putting it. Okay. Yeah. Because it can be really, yeah. Because, like, I think just, like, the heart of a woman, like, just longs to, like, be told that she's beautiful. Yeah. And so, like, it's really hard to, like, say that about someone else and experience that. And even if it's not, like, a person, if it's just, like, a situation that is objectively beautiful, like, it can be hard to recognize that, I think, (laughs) for a woman, if she doesn't first accept that in herself not not even necessarily see not like i look in the mirror and i'm like wow but like accept that her dignity that she's been given that yeah that she's beautiful yeah that's good does that make sense yeah it does (laughs) so yeah so i think yeah that makes a lot of sense So I guess could articulate in this way that a woman's beauty has to be acknowledged first within or her beauty has to be seen from within. So she has to be able to observe that within herself. So beauty emanates out from her. And that also allows her then to see it in others, hopefully, if it's properly understood. I feel like that's accurate. I would change, like, observe, maybe not always, but accept. Accept. Accept her beauty. Accept. Okay, that's a good way of putting it. Because, like, to observe it each and every day is, like, hard. (laughs) Yeah, sure. But to accept that it's there. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, that's fair. mm -hmm. Yeah. And like I was even thinking like kind of a point that you made towards the beginning of this episode was like about um, like that beauty should be cherished and like even like talking about uh, 
which maybe you were going to get to this, but like the masculine heart should really like appreciate and honor and cherish beauty, especially like feminine beauty. And I was just like thinking about that and I was like, like there's something to like beauty that has been like cherished and protected that like becomes all the more radiant Yeah, (laughs) because, um, Yeah, like as like maybe as cheesy as it sounds, like when it's honored and cherished, like it can blossom into its full potential. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like if it's like, yeah. So anyway, that was just kind of. No, I think that that's fair because I, yeah, like I said earlier about like emphasizing to married like couples that are preparing for marriage, like mm-hmm. yes, like you're supposed to put her on a pedestal and you're supposed to like cherish her. Mm-hmm. And then in the same way, so like, again, this is like a very raw thought, but it's like, so like a woman accepts the beauty that is in her. And in many ways, like, you know, as men, we always like love our trophies, you know, like, like I still got my trophies from like, uh, you know, like best fitted winning showmanship, those kind of things that you, that you like, Mm -hmm. that you have from like. And like, uh, and for a long time, I even had like all the medals I had from wrestling and all that kind of thing. But I think in many ways, like, well, perhaps we have a predisposition towards like certain virtues as men, like different ones for each of us. Like our beauty is almost something that's not so much obtained as like taken, but it's something that's like given and we're able to receive and like hone. So it's like the talent, so like the parable of the talents, like, we're given, we're given like a down, a gift, a, a, like a predisposition towards a virtue, but then we're asked to like do something more with it. And by doing more with it is like how we make ourselves beautiful. And so it's something that's almost outside of ourselves. It's like added in, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas a woman is like just in and of herself beautiful. And so I think that, and then like also like, our beauty is then, as you said, like, as like a woman's beauty is cherished and protected, mm-hmm. she becomes more radiant. And I think the more that a man like protects and cherishes beauty and builds it up within himself, then that also is like adds to his beauty in a weird way, in a, not a weird way, in like the same way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, That's- yeah. Yeah, that is really neat. The Lord knew what he was doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of like in uh, in receiving, like the woman becomes more radiant and then in giving, the man becomes more radiant. Yes. And more beautiful. Yes. That's maybe. Awesome. Yeah. Did you have something to add? Sorry. Well, no, I was just going to say that I think that's even borne out again, like, you know, and the female characters that we see, they are just like beautiful in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so much in so far as they like acknowledge that within themselves, mm-hmm. like even Gladriel accepting from Gimli, like the request and the way that he kind of dotes on her, mm-hmm. like she becomes like more beautiful in that way. 
And then also in the way that like there's this desire on behalf of like whether it's Aragorn, whether it's Faramir, like to protect the beauty that is still in the world. Mm-hmm. Like in the in the books, like it's clear that Faramir cares about the beauty of Ithilien because it's like described as the Garden of Gondor. Gondor. And so he has like this very, he has like this great love for protecting the beauty of even that part of the land because he just has like this this heart for it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like bestowed upon. <laughs> and it's something that insofar as like they're defending and protecting beauty, you see their virtues come out. Like it's even one of those interesting juxtapositions of Boromir and Faramir in the books again. Like there's two things that like I actually have very great difficulty with in like the Lord of the Rings movies. And it's actually a depiction of different characters. So one is like Frodo, like Peter Jackson cut out some things that like detail just how brave and how great Frodo is that were in like the books. So then it kind of makes Frodo look a little bit weaker than he actually is in the other story in the books. And then Faramir, who like is kind of this, you know, like I didn't, until I saw the extended edition, I didn't even know know that he like was that cruel to Gollum. And he's like actually very kind to Gollum. Which is good. Yeah. (laughs) And the two towers, like he's not like, like I'm going to shoot. He's like, he basically comes to Frodo and he says like, hey, I'm pretty sure this creature was with you. (laughs) But like, tell me other, if, if I'm wrong. So it's essentially like, hey, like we do like we do need to protect like our position. So it's not like protecting, yeah. So like we need to protect like this this area because this is like one of the last places that the orcs don't know where we're at. So like it's really important. So like you need to help us like draw him in because we can't allow him mm-hmm. <laughs> to like just run off. And so they're like, okay. So Frodo like helps him in that way. But then like they actually try to be fairly kind. To Gollum, and he like, of course, he kind of makes his normal crybaby story, but they actually have a tendency to kind of be very, very kind to him, mm. like the the Rangers, and then even like the way in which I, there's like this phrase that I love, or like this little line that they include that like they only stay like for a night, but then like all of a sudden Frodo and Sam like wonder what happened to their packs, and they like suspect that maybe they're getting searched, but then they're given back to him, and it says that they're heavier, and they discover that like dried meats and dried fruits have been included in their packs. <laughs> So it's like this generosity that he has, like, Mm -hmm. and then like, even as they're discussing, like he's never tempted to take the ring and he's like, you're going to Mordor and they're like, well, we have to destroy it. He's like, but that, like your nub would get in. And Frodo's like, it'd be worse if I take it back to Minas Tirith and it's destroyed from within instead of from without. And Faramir's like, yep. And Sam even compares Faramir to Gandalf. But sorry, that's all to basically say that like, Faramir has like this great masculine character who's like all about protecting. So he like even makes the comment that like, and this is one of the difference between him and Boromir. Boromir loved like war for the glory that it gave him. And Faramir makes the comment that he's like, I do not love the sword for the blood that it spills, but for that which defends And so, like, you see, like, this juxtaposition between him and Boromir. Mm -hmm. 
Boromir had this tendency towards pride, towards the desire for glory. Faramir, who's a very great warrior in his own respect, states that it's like, I, I, do, I do not love war for its deeds and the glory and the songs, but instead that which I am fighting to protect. It's like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that also just like reminded me of when Gandalf tells Bilbo, like true courage is not knowing when to take a life, but when to spare one and like how he carries that with him and spares the life of Gollum. Yeah. Because he, like, even though Gollum is like this <laughs> wretched creature, like he desires in like, at least it's well depicted. I did read the book, but I don't really remember. It's well depicted in the movie. Like Bilbo is able to like see the, some remnant of goodness still yeah. in him. In Smeagol Gollum. Um, and he desires to protect that. He's not being a coward. Yeah. <laughs> He's being a man. Yeah. He's protecting. Yeah. That's Do a great way of putting it. it. <laughs> I never would have thought of that. That's a good way of putting it. That's awesome. Hmm. Well, I'm excited to read more about Faramir then because yeah. I feel like he's just kind of like, he's there in the movies, but he's not really like... Yeah. I didn't get attached to him like at all. Yeah, I know. And that's like very unfortunate because mm -hmm. it's like, it's even clear that the way that the Rangers act around him, like that, that there's this great love. Respect. Yeah. Like not respect, love. <laughs> okay. Like, like, like they respect Boromir and they admire Boromir, mm -hmm. but it's clear that they love Faramir. Mm -hmm. It's like a difference. So they admire it's Boromir. They love Faramir. They love the man, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's like very, very, very much so like drawn out there. I'm sorry, like I'm, I'm tearing up because I love Faramir so much in the books because he's just like such a wonderful and beautiful character. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he, uh, yeah, there's even like a supposition that he's like basically willing to go with Frodo. But then like kind of like Frodo's like, your place is here with your people. And he's like, yeah, I know that's where I'm supposed to be, but basically like this still this desire to even protect Frodo from the treachery that he knows is coming from Gollum because mm -hmm. that's even clear like in in the books too is Frodo is not does not ever have like the wool pulled over his eyes he knows full well what Gollum's capable of mm -hmm. he still pities him and he still sees the goodness within but he still like knows that he may be up to something mm -hmm. and like Faramir desires to protect him from that <laughs> Without, again, being cruel to Gollum, but just, like, noting, like, there's something I don't trust about this guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, understandably so. And so it's, like, again, just, like, this wonderful depiction, I think, of, like, yeah, Faramir and Aragorn, like, these two great figures of, like, masculinity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the book itself. So, yeah. That's awesome. The more they protect, the more beautiful they become. Yeah. The more them they become, the more that they await. Which then even goes mm -hmm. to, like, Faramir sees his brother going down the river mm -hmm. he, after he dies. And he makes the comment that, like, Frodo and Sam don't know what happened to Boromir. Mm -hmm. But then they hear that he died and they're surprised. But then Faramir makes, makes the note, like, like, in Frodo fesses up that 
Boromir tried to take, and he's like, well, I know that he died well because he was more beautiful than he ever was. And he died protecting Marion Pippin. Yes. Fascinating. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> he saw, because he saw his dead body. Yes, because he saw that- him going down the river. Yeah, so he saw him like being pulled down the river. Mm-hmm. And Faramir makes the comment that like, I'm, I'm grieved to hear that. I'm not surprised to hear that because he even makes that comment like, oh, Boromir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like kind of that comment like, yeah, that sounds like my brother. Mm-hmm. He said, good man, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Too desirous to basically protect Ministerth at all cost whatsoever, mm-hmm. even at the danger of like endangering its integrity, which Faramir's not willing to do. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, not surprised, but then he makes the comment that like, well, I don't know what happened after you departed, but I'm convinced that he died well because he would, because his face was more beautiful than it ever was in this life. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I have no other thoughts. Nor do I. Or I have many thoughts, but none related to this particular topic. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so, that be it? That be Wait, don't you have something? Well, yes, I was going to get to the oh, suggestion. Okay. Oh, sorry. Yes. So, <laughs> that's the end of the episode, but the monthly suggestion. So, my monthly suggestion last month, which I liked what you did, was like suggesting playing a game with a family. Mm-hmm. So, you know, since we've talked about friendship, I am just going to suggest that you, yeah, like, you out there, like, get coffee with a friend. I've been getting coffee with people a lot lately, and it's just been, like, a great way to catch up. They'll just, like, go to, you know, a cafe and just, like, sit. There's, like, there's, like, a blessed, like, communion, because a community, so, like, there's a lot of people there, but then also, like, kind of this great privacy that's just, like, understood there because everybody else is talking to mm-hmm. and so it just been delightful to like to drink just have like a cup of coffee with somebody and just like to talk because mm-hmm. it kind of opens it up to whatever because it's like on neutral ground in a lot of ways mm-hmm. yeah you know so it's like it's not my house it's not your house it's just like neutral it's like you know so it's like a neutral site so it's, nobody has home field advantage not that there's ever advantage but like there's <laughs> something just delightful about getting coffee with a friend. So Mm -hmm. that's my suggestion for the month is to get coffee with a friend. Hmm. Good. I like that. Yeah. And that is reinforcing the most beautiful thing, which is friendship. Yes. So very well. Yes. Very, very, very good. Very good suggestion. So simple too. Yes. So very easy to do. Yeah. You have no excuses. (laughs) 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 That was good. Good. Well, do you want to take us out in prayer? Sure. Sure. In the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord, thank you for the gift that is beauty. Thank you for your most sacred heart and uh, the 
beauty and the rest that we find in it. I just ask for anybody who's listening or tuning in that they may be given the grace to see themselves more the way that you see them, the beauty that you've given them, that they may see that. And like in a in a particular way for um, women to be able to accept and receive the gift that is their beauty and for the grace of men to protect the beauty that they behold. And we just ask for the intercession of the Blessed Mother as we journey through life in the many beautiful things that we are gifted with. We pray together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Excellent. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>